This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everybody to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 70, and I am joined here today by a first-time guest. Welcome to the show, Jasmine. Hello, everyone. Hello. Um, it's been a long time since we've had a first-time guest on, so I wanted to start off, first of all, with a uh, little bit of background. I guess just talk about yourself a little bit, um, mm-hmm. especially like how you got started as a wrestling fan, maybe. And then also how you got started as a New Japan fan specifically, since that's today's topic. Well, a wrestling fan. I've been a wrestling fan since like forever. My parents were huge into wrestling in the 90s with the Attitude Era. My mom still has the biggest crush on The Rock. (laughs) But like with New Japan, I was just, it was the cool internet thing in like 2014. So I just hopped on the bandwagon. I've been here ever since. Wow. I didn't realize you were that much of a New Japan veteran too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah you've been, been on, you've been you've been on here there for a while. Yeah, um, who who are you like really into originally? Like, who was your big New Japan person right away? Originally, yeah. And you're gonna kind of hate me for this. Originally, okay. it was AJ Styles. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mean, look, his, his his New Japan run was good. I can't really sit here and argue with anyone who says it was good. Uh, I, mean, I don't really care for him now, but something about him then was like super cool. And now he's just like some guy with a bad soccer mom haircut. <laughs> I know. I haven't seen a lot of his uh, WWE stuff this year, but what I have seen hasn't been very good. But I've heard, I've, I know people have told me he's had better matches like yeah. on the TV if you watch it. But yeah, like, I do catch SmackDown sometimes, and usually his matches on TV tend to be better than his pay per view matches, which yeah. is. Yeah. Which is really weird. I know. It's like very, like if you just watch the paper, you'd think he's like fucking terrible now, honestly. Yeah, honestly. But yeah. Um, but yeah, 2014, that's definitely a big AJ period. And it's funny because like I, right before I recorded this, like a few days ago, I just done, um, oh God, what, Wrestle Kingdom 9, I guess would be the number. The 2015 oh. one that's like Nakamura Ibushi, you yeah. know. AJ Naito and Okada Tanahashi. And that's such an awesome show still. Like I, I got to go back and watch a bunch of that just for like to record that podcast, um, like on the eggshells thing. So that yeah. was really it was really fun. That's such an awesome show. But yeah, I did watch AJ and Naito, so I just saw AJ like 
in his New Japan element. And cool. even in a match that... really cool about, like, that whole era of Bullet Club. Like, it's changed yeah. so much since then. Yeah, they were, I don't know. I'm trying to think when it, like, really started <laughs> becoming, like, less and less, like, interesting. Because was, that was that whole period where they were, like, in... I don't know. It still felt kind of special to have them in Ring of Honor, too, at the same time. Yeah, like I like I wonder because you and I, you and I are both local. Were you at the Ring of Honor? Did you, first of all, do you go to Ring of Honor New York shows? I've been to a few. Did you go go to the one? I think the one where Jay Lethal won the Ring of Honor World Title, and also it was like AJ and the Bucks against the Kingdom. It was like a Terminal, whatever uh, that. Uh, no, I okay. didn't go to that one. I had to think about it. <laughs> that's a show that I remember pretty well. It's like the Bull Club feeling special in Ring of Honor still because like. They just had this really wild six-man tag against like uh, Adam Cole and the rest of the kingdom. I'm not usually into any of those people, but they, the six-man tag still, it was, it was really fun. So you I don't know. I'm still... a big kingdom fan, so I take offense to that. <laughs> Who? I don't even. I mean, I don't know anything about the current Ring of Honor. Honestly, I mean, I barely watched them this year. But um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, they they were. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying, the thing I'm trying has to read. changed like a lot since then too, because you know. Yeah, I don't hate Matt Taven or anything. He's just I find the the amount of hate he gets online sometimes is a little bit like. He's really happy. leaned into it. Like he knows when to be a dick about it, and that's great. Yeah, are you going to Final Battle? By the way, mm, probably not. Probably. Yeah, I don't know. I was completely honest with you. I have two tickets to it, and I'm I keep going back and forth on whether or not I want to go but or just unload them but I think I'm gonna go because now they announced Zack Sabre and Jonathan Gresham which that should really, be amazing yeah that sounds really good so that might be like <laughs> that that's like my drawing match right now yeah so I might It'll be I worth might, it for that yeah um but yeah so we're gonna, so New Japan like 2014 into 2015 it's a really cool period um it's it's a cool period to jump in I guess I for I usually like I'm it's it's a really rare answer I feel like 2014. I feel like whenever I ask people this question, like it's always the two periods I get all the time are like 2013. That was like a real big jump in period, like the 2013 G1. And then all and then if if they weren't in then 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 they came in like 2017. 2017 so, was a big one. Like yeah. a lot of my close friends like really got into it in 2017, like you know Burr. Burr got into it in 2017. And, yeah. and we, we would stay up and watch the 27 G, 2017 G1. Like, it would be like 5 in the morning Eastern time. It would yeah. be like 10 in the morning for her. And we would be up on Rabbit watching live. Yeah, it's not fair at those Euros. They get, like, such better times than us to watch. Yeah, like, the they get to have their morning coffee and watch wrestling. <laughs> I know. It's not fair. Not at all. Um, but the those the one they get screwed on there, right? I guess is the DDT those noon shows. Yeah, because what that would be like five a.m. for them, so that's like a little too early. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah, so that's that's cool though. Twenty fourteen. It's just a very rare answer, and and what I've done these, so that was cool. Um, who like who like for your New Japan fandom? Obviously, just mentioned AJ, but like who were some of your favorites? I guess not up into today. Well, you know, I feel like Shinsuke is a very obvious answer, especially for anyone who got into New Japan around that time. But, like, still looking back, 
everything he did was just so cool in New Japan. And it seems like he lost that like up until recently in WWE. Yeah. Kind of sad when you think about it. I didn't even know he got it back, honestly. I'm not Something I'm about really him paid. being just like a heel and just like being a jerk about everything is so great. And it's what he needed rather than being just like cool Asian guy. Yeah. I mean, he definitely felt like he was losing. He didn't have his edge in WWE. Like he, they had, they, they, they got the goofy dancing part down, but like they didn't have the part where he just is supposed to be a badass. So I guess the heel version is more, is closer to that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Shinsuke's a, you know, he, he, he was very, very inconsistent, but like when he's on, he's produced some of my favorite matches ever. Like obviously the Ibushi one, but also yeah. the, the G1 final with Tanahashi is another one that in 2015. That's like one of my favorite matches ever. Mm. The whole Shinsuke Tanahashi rivalry is like another huge favorite. Yeah. I think I've seen almost every single match they've had together, which is a lot. I really, I really like the, the one they had the dome for the under 30 title. That's oh, yeah. One, that one's really, really good. Mm hmm. And it's so early on, and you can like they're just both like babies, but it's, it's such a good match. Yeah. Baby Tanahashi is so weird because he's like so beefy, but he still looks like a 12 year old. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so Shinsuke's a cool answer. And now, obviously, the reason why I'd originally invited you on here is because you know you're obviously a big stand for evil, it's right there okay. in your Twitter, right there in your Twitter bio. So going up through today. Of course, I figured there'd be no better person for a show where evil's main eventing. Um, I just want to preface this by saying I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I heard someone say he's like the new Goto now, and the comparison is becoming very yeah, sadly like, apt. He's younger Goto. That's it. Yeah, where like he he can win in the G, he can win in tournaments basically. But, like, in these title matches, he never seems to quite get it done. Except, I guess, he won the never title from Chibata for, like, two weeks or whatever. In Singapore. Which still looks so weird. Yeah, it looks so weird. Um, But, yeah, before we get into Power Struggle now, I mean, the one thing I noticed when I was looking, you know, I just, I'd already asked you to be on that I saw that you didn't really like the show. So, that'll be, I guess, interesting because I thought the show was pretty great. So... I guess we'll have to compare and contrast. We'll get into that. Yeah. Um, So it opened up. It was Power Struggle Force this past Sunday from uh, another sold-out Ideon Arena Osaka. It opened up with an eight-man tag. uh, Ryusuke Taguchi, Chris Saban, ACH, and Toa Hanare defeating Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask, Volador Jr., and Soberano Jr. Uh, This only went about 6'10", and Taguchi pinned Soberano with the double-team Dodone. Um, this was really like nothing. Like there really wasn't anything to this. It was only only six yeah. minutes. It was completely fine. I don't really have a lot to say about it. I don't know if you have anything to say about it, but I will say New Japan needs well every promotion needs a lot more Chris Saban going into 2019 because he's mm. great and like Shelley's not around to basically steal the spotlight. So why aren't more people giving it to him? Yeah, I thought him and Kushida were one of the like sleeper highlights of the tag tour, of the tag junior tag league. Um, they're pretty good, so I like that they they had a couple matches I liked. So they gel together it, really well. He's facing Jay Lethal on 
Friday, I want to say. I, I can't remember. What, there's four of these fucking shows. I can't remember which it is. But I know he's I know he's facing Jay Lethal in a non-title match in, Ring of, in this Ring of Honor Global Wars tour. But I, can't, I think it's Friday. It might be Thursday. But it's either way. Yeah. I mean, either way, that could be good. Um, likely. Match number two, a six-man tag team match. The Bullet Club OGs, Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, and Robbie Eagles. Actually, I guess you could just say Bullet Club now. I think yeah. I had to get in that habit after going on the OGs for like the past four months. Um, they defeated Togi Makabe, Tomoyaki Homa, and Kushida. 739, Tamatanga pinning Kushida with the gun stun. Um, before we get into the match, actually, do you have any opinions? Because you, you brought it up before about the Bullet Club you know, being cool at one point and maybe not being cool anymore. What do you think of the, what the OGs slash, I guess now just Bullet Club, like, what do you think of that effort? I think it's a step in the right direction because Bullet Club was supposed to be like cool, badass foreigners, not a bunch of goofy white dudes. (laughs) They're supposed to be heels, first of all. I mean, no, I'm glad you said, because I actually agree. I think, I feel like it's kind of a hot, it might be kind of a hot take, but I I think the the Jay White slash uh, God Bullet Club, you know, they fit the actual original theme of the unit a lot better than uh, the elite version that we've had for the past few years. So Indeed. I'm not saying I'm running out to buy a T-shirt or anything, but it is a lot more. I think a lot more fun and a lot more uh, close to the spirit of the unit. So I yeah. will say one thing that I've noticed on Twitter.com. I've got complaints is I've seen people calling Jay the new leader leader of the Bullet Club. He's like nowhere near the leader of the Bullet Club. He's just <laughs> a white guy. <laughs> he like, claims he's not- only claim to fame here. <laughs> he claims he's not the leader too, so I don't know. But um but yeah, I mean there was that during that whole original Bullet Club it wasn't really clear if Carl Anderson or uh Devitt were the was the leader, so I guess if you go with that again, where it's like, you could be like, is Tom the leader? Is Jay White the leader? I don't know if you heard. There's no leader, like how LIJ says they don't have a leader. Yeah, that's true. Have you heard the rumors about Tanahashi and Shorty? No. This was on. This is on the Super J cast. Uh, Shout out to them on this same network. But one of the hosts mentioned on this past week's show that they got it from a pretty good source that steered them correctly in the past that that's something that's being talked about at least or in the works is to do a Tanahashi heel turn and join the Bullet Club, which is one of those ideas that when you first hear it, just, it sounds so insane. <laughs> that yeah, you're just that, like, <laughs> I can't even like, my brain can't even comprehend any of that. I mean, that's basically where I'm at. Where I, when I heard that one too, I was like, what the, f- what would that even be? Just, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Tanahashi. So the one part that makes me think, Maybe I mean, there's two things, honestly, that would make me think maybe it's true. First of all, Tanahashi has actually talked repeatedly, like apparently on his podcast and stuff, and what I understand, that he wants to do like a real heel run before he retires. Yeah. So that that's a factor. And the other factor is, let's say the elite guys are gone, or most of them, or something, and that's why they're moved out of Bullet Club. You maybe they think that that like um, Jay White and the people there isn't strong enough to like you know keep the t-shirt sales going basically, and they need and they need something really big to like 
make sure the brand stays hot and that's this Tanahashi thing. I don't know. It would be so crazy. Like, it's such a crazy idea that I'm just like, that I don't would even make, know. That would make so many things so much more interesting because, you know, Jay versus Tanahashi has been like the big rival he's had since he returned from right. his excursion. But like, how would that work with them being in the same room? That's I almost wonder if it, if it would be like, so so to, to compare it to something that happened in uh, Toriumon in like 2004, when Masaki Mochizuki was supposed to be retiring, oh, that was the idea. Crazily enough, that was supposed to be the idea <laughs> in 2004 that he was supposed to be retiring soon. He he said he wanted one last heel run before he retired, so he turned heel and joined um, Agan Izu. But the heel turn only lasted about six months before he like went back babyface. So I almost wonder if the idea would be Tanashi turns heel. It's a big shock thing. He joins Bullet Club. Big shock thing. But it's really just a setup. Tanahashi and Jay White again, maybe for the following year at the Dome in 2020 or something. And, you know, you just have the two of them, you know, coexist in the unit the same way like Okada and Jay White did this year and maybe tease a little tension at some point. And then, you know, then they all kick Tanahashi out and he goes back to face. Yeah. I feel like it could be something like that, just a spitballing. But yeah, so that's a interesting rumor that we'll see, I guess. I the like I said when I first heard it, it's so it was so insane that just I wasn't even sure honestly what to make of it. But the more I thought about, it, the more I was like, hmm, <laughs> maybe there's something to this. Uh, but back to this match here. First of all, Taiji Shimori was out there on crutches, um, you know, which he looked he was moving okay, and he would even get involved in the finish. So it's good news that he's not more seriously injured. Um, you just had like a, apparently like a, I think it was a left ankle injury during mm-hmm. the tour. Um, so this was okay. I thought um, there was a really cool spot where Kushida blocked the gunstone from Tamatanga, like right into an arm bar. Uh, that looked pretty cool. And then towards the finish, like J- Jado got involved. Uh, Kushida kicked down the kendo stick roll up at two. Ishimori comes in and hits him with a crutch and leads to Tamahe and the gunstone for the pin. Um, I basically just had it written down. That it was boring, kind of boring early, but after the the hot tag, it was I thought it was pretty fun, leading into like a really fun finish. And then Ishimori continues attacking Kushida after the match, raises up the junior title belt. So clearly, as we would find out for sure a few days later, that is the junior title match at the Tokyo Dome. Um, what do you think of this one? Well, the only thing, like my literally my only note to that match were like only thing that matters is the finish which really is like the rest of the match it could have been anyone out there as long as that finished happened yeah but my big thing is kind of depend it I, i'm thinking beyond the match already where my sort of prediction going into 2019 is that Ishimori wins the junior title and his first defense would be against Hiromu, who's supposed to be coming back soon. I don't know if you heard about yeah, that. Yeah, he said 85%, right? Yeah, but he said like a number of days, not even like oh, wow. a little bit over a month he was supposed to be coming back. That's crazy. But I'm thinking that like this has to be some sort of setup as a rematch for the final of Best of the Super Juniors. Yeah, which is my match of the year, so I'd be very pleased with that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I think the finish was the most important part. 
Then we got into match number three, Okada and Beretta defeating Jay White and Bad Luck Fale. Uh, this also went very short, only 432. Uh, Beretta actually pinned Fale with a basically like a Hurricanrana roll-up, uh, I guess you could say. I mean, that was a pretty stunning finish. By far the biggest pin I think Beretta's ever gotten as a heavyweight, even though it was a um, you know a flash pin. But maybe, I, I almost made me wonder if they're tipping their hand a little bit with the U.S. title. But I guess that it just feels like for him to get a pin that big, maybe he might be winning it. But, you know, I'm not really sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, this there is a uh, – I thought the, the highlight of the match was right at the, right at the start where Okada hit that huge dive to the floor, like as soon as he hit the ring, and Chuck Taylor on commentary just yelled, beat that ass, which I thought was <laughs> – that was the best part of this by far. Um, but, yeah, that was pretty much it. And – you know, it was it was a really wild brawl, and I like the Okada White feud. It's continued building that pretty well. Uh, obviously, it only went four and a half minutes, so not not a ton else you can say about it, though. Okay, going into this match, I for sure thought Beretta was going to turn on Okada. I thought this was it. You thought he was the mole, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and like I wasn't the only one who thought this. Like a lot of people were going into that match saying like. Okay, Greg's for sure going to turn on Okada, <laughs> right? And like he's, he he didn't do it. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, maybe there is no mole. <laughs> maybe Jay was Liger just being says he knows who the mole is, and it was somebody who? in that match. Wait, who so, said that? Liger? Yeah, on commentary apparently. Oh wow, wow, that's crazy. So it was someone in that match, allegedly. Allegedly, um, I yeah, that I that who the fuck else could that be? Then I don't know. Like, yeah, like my uh, money is on Beretta. Okay, so it could still be Beretta. I guess we'll say. Um, then we have match number four. Uh, Kenny Omega gracing us with his presence on the store here. <laughs> Timmy Wakoda Ibushi to defeat Hiroshi Tanahashi and David Finley in 9:47. Ibushi uh, pinning David Finley with the Golden Trigger. Uh, before we get into the match, what do you? What are your thoughts on the Tanahashi Omega feud so far? I think this highlights how like a lot of foreigners in Japan rely on laziness to get heat. Like if you, if Tanahashi's working an entire tour and he's like, he's got like a good almost decade on you. You have no excuse to like not show up for it. And then just say, well, I'm too good for you. Like I'm busy on my boat. (laughs) You're like, you're just some Canadian dude with bad hair. Like you're not special. My guy. Kenneth Jerome Omega should be showing up to more of these shows. That's my opinion on this whole feud, is that, like, he should be showing up more. Yeah, I mean, that's a complaint. I think I really hate the... I don't know, I'm just, like, when I watch a wrestling show, I just want to hear two guys, like, talk about how they're going to beat the other guy because they're better. I don't want to hear two guys talk about how, like, my style of wrestling is better than yours and your style of wrestling is uh, makes me sad like i I, it honestly feels like one of those kind of things where like if wwe did this like people would complain a lot and justifiably i think it would deserve complaints but new japan does it and people just kind of like give them a pass on it i don't i don't really understand why yeah i would say like a big thing is i think Kenny Omega gets a pass on a lot of things that, like, guys who, if they weren't him, 
would would be torn to shreds by people on the internet. Yeah, I agree. Like how Lesnar doesn't show up for big events. Like neither does Omega half the time, yeah. and no one talks about that. But everyone has a problem with Brock not showing up for a pay per view. Yeah, I mean it is hypocritical by some people. Um, but yeah, I mean as far as the actual match goes, I mean the other thing I want to say about the Kenny not showing up thing, I because I, I heard again on Super J Cast and some other people saying. Well, you know, what does it matter if Kenny doesn't show up on these tours? I mean, the problem isn't necessarily that Kenny being there would make these shows like so much better if he's just in a random tag. The problem is more like when you're watching these Corican shows and Kenny's not there and Tanahashi is like in a tag match against Kota Ibushi playing Kenny stand in. It just feels like really fucking dumb. <laughs> like, yeah, it like, just feels really. It feels, you know what it feels like? Like the perfect metaphor for this. It, it's like Tanahashi's been talking to a brick wall. Brick wall. Yeah. And somewhere on the other side <laughs> of that wall is Kenny Omega. Like the Wrestle Kingdom build is like Tanahashi feuding with himself. Because Kota Ibushi doesn't. Kota doesn't have any problem with Tanahashi, and he's. If you watch those post match promos, he's like. Why am I here? Like, why am I fighting Tana? Like, that's pretty much the entire promo. I don't know. It's just really like that's to me is the biggest issue. Is it just makes those shows feel really very hollow, and I don't I don't feel any buzz for the Tanahashi Omega match. It's not like there's that many shows to build it up at this point. I mean, you have World Tag League where the focus will be on the World Tag League, and you have two Corkins. I mean, who and again, who the fuck knows? Like, is Kenny gonna be on those shows? Maybe, maybe not. At this point, who who even knows? And then you have the the Road to Corican, Road to Tokyo Dome Corkins, which are only two shows, and that's it. That's the dome. So it's really yeah. not a lot of it's not a lot of time to really make this feud feel bigger, important. And to me, so far, it does not. Like it's. I, mean, I think we can talk a little bit after the show about like the card so far. But like to me, it's one of my least anticipated matches of the card. True. Um, as far as this match. The first thing, they there was like a really goofy exchange at the start where like Kenny and Tana were both just like avoiding each other repeatedly. I thought it looked pretty goofy. Um, one thing I noticed too, if you look at the gear, like with Finley's, Finley had these. I think these pants were new, right? These like really black pants. I, I don't remember feel him. Like he's worn them like at least once before, but it was on like some B show. No one was watching for some okay. reason. Okay, so they're so they're rare then. It's not new. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, with, with him wearing those black pants and Koda wearing his normal gear, like, if you just looked, you'd probably think Abushi was with Tana and Finley was with Kenny. I don't know if that was, if that was on purpose, it was, you know, if that's like setting something up or something that's really funny, but I don't think it was. I, think I mean, close. one can hope. <laughs> Hashtag um, dump him. <laughs> Um, Finley looked good here, I thought, after the... It looked like the CMLL tour kind of, like, rejuvenated him, I thought. But. Yeah, like, it seemed like... I don't know, it seemed like over the last couple of months, like, since he got actual gear, he's kind of lost some... I don't know if it's steam or if he's just got, like, something going on in his life that he doesn't want to talk about, but he seemed a little out of it. And I think, like, going to Mexico, he came back rejuvenated. Yeah, he looked more, like, locked in, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then they get the they hit the golden trigger on Finley for the pin. It was fine, <laughs> I guess. The best thing I can say about it. Yeah. Uh, after that, we moved into the three way Super Junior Tag League 2018 final. Sho and Yo defeating Desperado and Kanemaru and Shingo and Bushi. Sho pitting Desperado in 1555 with the Shock Arrow. Um, this I I thought this was quite good. 
the the booking we'll talk about in a second didn't really make any sense. But the match itself, um, you know, just starting off with Desperado doing a really awesome tope, like all the way into the announcers over the rail. Um, the the crowd was like surprisingly not that into it at first, but then Shingo came in and like cleaned house on everyone, and the crowd really got into that. And then Shingo had another really fun exchange with Show. Um, and then we had like the the very involved finish with Rapunky 3K hitting the 3K on Shingo, Katamara pulling out the ref, Desperado hits Show with the belt, tags himself in, uh, and then he gets his move on Show for two. Bushi missed Desperado. Yo ducks the whiskey spit and wipes out Katamaru and Bushi with a huge dive. Show hits the powerbomb lung blower. That almost looked like it broke his spine. The powerbomb lung True. blower. Like the landing was really bad. Um, and Des- he hit that on Desperado for two and then hit the shotgun and got the pin. Um, yeah, so I thought it started pretty like quiet and slow but got really good towards the finishing stretch. Uh, I don't think you do star ratings, but I, I had this at like three and three quarters. So very good match. But a, you know... The, I was a little surprised Bushi didn't get pinned, and then once they revealed I, why, I was a little infuriated. But we can talk about that when we get to the Tokyo Dome card. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think of this? I'm my big takeaway from this, and like this is like a genuine question. Like for anyone, I want genuine answers to this. Feel free to at me on Twitter at Big Sad Boy. That's boy with two eyes. Uh, did Show and Yo really need to win another Super Junior Tag League? Probably not. <laughs> it's like it seems like there's no point. Like they're established, they've been champions, they do well, like in singles matches. I think I just don't think they needed this win. Like I think it would have it would have served Kanamaru and Desperado a lot better to win. It would have served Bushi and Shingo a lot better to win than it did Cho and Yo. And that kind of like it's kind of sat with me since then. Like, yeah, the match was good, but like, what did we accomplish at the end? Yeah, I mean, and then, and of course, we find out the dome is just going to be a three way again. It is really like, what did we accomplish at the end? I mean, that was the most bizarre announcement in a while because it's like, well, why do we have this tag league if the winners don't even get a straight up title shot? I mean, I know they've done this before, but it's been stupid when they did it then too. So you know what this reminds me of. This reminds me of those never-ending three-way tags for the heavyweight belt last year. Yeah. And I have a feeling it's going to end up just like that to the point where it's like even the people in the matches are going to be like, please stop putting us in these <laughs> stupid three-way matches. Yeah, so you meant the heavyweight tag belts, right? With, uh, yes. Yeah, Killer Leaf Squad, G.O.D., and God, who the fuck and, was the uh, third team? Oh, uh, I wanted War to say War Raiders, but it's War, yeah. it's a war Machine that yeah. happened. I forgot. I, I forgot they existed. So there you go. Um, but yeah, this is a. Uh, it's really, really weird that we're going to that three-way match, and I guess we'll see what happens. Um, but not, you know, like I remember the the voice wrestling count just asking, like, what what did they actually win? What did they actually win? And I just my answer was they won two big trophies. They won the they're... same exact trophies <laughs> they had last year. <laughs> like, well, you know, maybe they maybe they start in a trophy case now. I don't know. Um, but yes, yeah, so after that, we have the never open weight title, Taichi pitting or Taichi losing to Goto in 15.02, the GTR. Um, okay, if I'm going to complain about the booking on this show, this is going to be the big one for me. Why in God's name did Hiroki Goto need to win this belt back? Do you have any I hint people for- saying that, like, 
oh, they wanted to keep Goto strong and losing to Taiji made him look weak. I'm like, first of all, don't respect the Holy Emperor like that. <laughs> Taiji is the greatest wrestler who has ever lived and ever will live. And he deserves that belt a lot more than a washed up old samurai. All right, well, then don't get too mean about Goto. But no, I, I, I just, look, you watched that Corican, right? When Goto came out and challenged him? Yeah, we can all we all have ears, right? We can hear the crowd chanting "Let's go Tai Chi." Like yeah. that's something they're doing. That's not something because I know I know there's a lot of Tai Chi haters on Twitter. Okay, I know that a lot of you hate Tai Chi, and that's fine. But like Jasmine and I and all the other Tai Chi fans, we're not making that up. The crowd is chanting for him. That's a thing that's happening. Exactly, so. and it's like. <laughs> People claim that like Ghetto and everyone listens to the audience, but if you listen to your audience, then Taiji would be like the president of the company by now. <laughs> it's true. Um, so there was a Let's Go Taiji chant right away in this match, first of all. So that, that started right off the bat. And I have to give a shout out to Kevin Kelly, whose explanation for Taiji was so great. He just said, quote, nothing in his life is ever good enough for him. He treats everything that could be important with disdain. He goes through life with a perpetual sneer on his face. I couldn't stop Tai Chi better, and that's why I love him. So, shout out to to Kevin Kelly. Um, Chucky T then also adds that he's, quote, basically a weird theater goth kid who learned karaoke. I almost said karaoke. Who learned karate. He did learn karaoke, too, actually. He learned both (laughs) of those things, which makes him even better. But yes, um, but yeah, and that also kind of sums up why I love Tai Chi. So there you go. Um, so he dropped this match. Basically, is one of these matches where Goto's like, "I'm gonna pretend." Well, this time he's like, "I'm gonna be pretend unconscious." Not like the dome where he's like, "Hey, Minoru Suzuki, just like ch- legitimately totally unconscious, so I can like recover slowly in this wrestling match," which is still one of the craziest things we've ever seen. But yeah, so Tai Chi drops him on his head with a backdrop, like right before the bell. Uh, they sell that he's completely out. Uh, Goto, to his credit, he does a great job selling that he's out, and Taiji just like you know toss him around in the chairs. Uh, he just Goto just barely beats the twenty count. They're still really loud. Let's go Taiji chance anytime tr- someone tries to start the Taiji go home chance. Um, and then and then here's where the problem and where I think the issue with this match is honestly is the crowd simply was not into Goto's comebacks like at all, and this is where it felt like. You know, if you were matching Taichi up against like a hot baby face and like someone who the crowd really wanted to see win the Never title, maybe someone who hasn't had the belt for like the better part of two years, for instance, you probably would have had a really great match here because the structure was good and I thought Taichi was good in his role, but like the crowd just did not care at all about Goto's comebacks. Like just dead silent almost for Goto's comebacks. And you need somebody. You need the crowd to react to that, obviously. It's the entire like base of the match. Um, they did finally get a little more into it towards the end. Uh, Taichi got a low blow and a cradle for two, and the crowd was actually more into it, I thought, when he was on offense. And then we got the dueling chance again. The last drag got two, and Taichi, you know, just kind of lost to Goto. I don't know. Like, Goto just kind of fired up, hit the GTR, one, two, three. Um, you know, I went three and a half on it. I still liked it, but yeah, I mean, like, it's pretty clear they just went to the well one too many times with Goto, and I feel bad being too critical because I know this wasn't the original plan. You know, it was supposed to be Osprey here, but, like, 
it's still like they could have done something else than this and they could have had Tai Chi retained. So I can still criticize them a little bit because yeah, this was not good. I will say if he had, if Tai Chi had lost to Osprey instead, I would have thrown a fit. <laughs> like a fit you've never seen before. I mean, maybe it's good that it didn't happen then because I think that was probably going to be the finish. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd rather it be Goto, who I know is like good hands, and I don't have to look at Osprey until he comes back. So yeah. I, I can't be too mad about it, but at the same time, it also feels like why go back to Goto? Like, you, you do not have anybody else you could temporarily put this belt on who's not Taiji or Goto. It's really weird. It's like, why do we need this? And it's like, supposed I, to be I feel... an open weight belt. So why couldn't Taiji, like, as a way of, I don't know, saying that he's better than all of those juniors he used to be and have had a, a junior challenge for the belt? Well, I mean, that was his original idea. I mean, he said that over the, if he had won the title the first time, he said he was going to only defend it against juniors. Yeah, and so, like Osprey uh, had declared he was a heavyweight like a week before he got injured. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but it's uh, like a thing that happened. I don't even, I didn't even know that. So he said it like on Twitter, I believe. He's like, I'm a heavyweight now. Why can we, can I ask why half of New Japan's big storylines are happening on Twitter? I found out that the elite left the Bullet Club on Twitter. I showed it everybody else. (laughs) And it's like, what the fuck? That was the greatest thing, by the way. I I had a tweet that went like semi viral because the the five elite members are six or whatever the fuck. Who cares? They're on Chris Jericho's boat podcast. And they announced that they were no longer the book club. They're the, just the elite now. And I just made a joke. I was like, for people who, yes, if you weren't aware, folks, because if you weren't aware that the Bullet Club Civil War storyline has really been going on since the Kenny Cody thing in February, so all year long in New Japan, it ended on a boat, if you're not aware. And I have like one woman like a quote to me and be like, actually, it ended when Cody said it on Twitter a week before. And I was like, how is that any better? Like, that's no, I would prefer <laughs> the boat. The boat seems like a bigger like deal than just Cody said it on Twitter like three days ago and you just missed it. Look, they all said on Twitter, John, because uh, they all said this was their final Bullet Club t-shirt design. I'm like, oh, well, that's a much better ending. They're, them, them being like, please buy our t-shirt. And also, the Bullet Club I wouldn't know because a- half of the elite blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> Hashtag unblock me, young, blo- young bucks. I told them this in person. I was like, both of you have me blocked on Twitter. And I've never said anything to either of you. <laughs> they both have me blocked on Twitter, too. So it's not... Very exclusive club, I guess. I will but. go to my, my my many alternate accounts. As some of you found out when I was temporarily banned from Twitter earlier this year, mm-hmm. I have like five other accounts. Yeah, I, I will just go to the... my many other accounts and complain. <laughs> I just use the Omakase account to look at anybody who has been blocked. So for some reason, nobody ever thinks to do that. Like when they block me, I'm like, you know, I have two podcast accounts like right in my profile. So if you really don't want me to see your tweets, you should probably block those too. Same, like, you know, I have my history blog that I've updated once and never updated again because I'm terrible, (laughs) right in my bio. And I can go right on that one and read all of the Young Bucks tweets, which I'm going to do out of spite. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so it fucking sucks that Taiji lost the title. I don't know how we got on the Bullet Club. But all right, the next match, the British heavyweight title, Tomohiro Ishii against Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Ishii retains the title in 1921 with the Brain Buster. Uh, this is where the show really picked up for me. I mean, it was just a 
you know, I don't want to say an average show, but it was like a, you know, just a sh- kind of, yeah, actually, you know, I do want to say an average show, kind of just an average show up to this point. But this is where, like, you know, I like the, you know, pure rescue violence, the people beating each other senseless, and this definitely gave me that. Um, you know, they went right at each other right at the bell. It was very, very physical. Ishii started doing his, like, brutal chops to the throat that just looked the worst than almost anything else in wrestling. Um, there was, like, this crazy elbow strike exchange that just ended with Ishii collapsing. Um, he, he no-sold two PKs, one to the front one to the back, which I thought was crazy. And there was, like, a really cool exchange where he, like, countered a sleeper into, like, this aborted backdrop, which then went into a front suplex, only for Zuki to counter and Ishii Lariat right after into his dropkick. You can always tell. I think Super Jcast said this too. I don't want to steal their take. But I guess I am stealing their take. You can always tell when Suzuki's like really into a match when he throws that dropkick. Because like yeah. if he does not throw that dropkick, he doesn't give a shit. And like, you know, he's 50, you know, he's a fucking grandpa. I mean, it's not it must be hard for him to get up that high, but like when he really is into a match, he throws that drop kick and it's always awesome. Um, but yeah, Ishii countered the gotch into like this really sick reverse pile driver, and then finally pins him with the brain buster. Um, so yeah, I went four and a quarter on this. I thought it was really awesome. I thought they went a little bit too long at the end and almost like kind of lost the crowd. Very like they came close to losing the crowd. But um, I so I took maybe like a quarter star off for that. But this is still like a pretty pretty much exactly the kind of like really hard hitting awesome match you'd expect. Uh, what do you think of this one? Oh, we'll say I'm no Suzuki pervert like some of you on Twitter.com, <laughs> but like another way to tell when he's really into a match, and a lot of you are gonna hate me for pointing this out, is like he'll straight up start like licking his fingers with some kind of weird horny murder beats. <laughs> he true. did that a lot in that match. So he's, I think there's very horny big things to come out of this rivalry. Like, not that there hasn't been big things coming out of it, no pun intended. For a while now, but like I can see this rivalry going on at least until Mania weekend. Because yeah. Pro does have a big show in New York that weekend. Yeah. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Um, but I, so that's, uh, I wonder if they could even do something at MSG. That'd be awesome. That would uh, be great. Yeah. I assume you're going to that, right? I am. That okay. was the first thing I bought tickets for. I bought <laughs> tickets for that in like August. Yeah, I did too. I got I have tickets to that too. I bought them right away. But I don't know. Do you have like a Mania weekend planned yet? Kind of. I bought the VIP package for the WWN mm. live thing because I'm an idiot. <laughs> and I like spending all of my days inside a cheap nightclub in Queens <laughs> that has really good tacos. If you're going to be at La Boom for Mania weekend, please try the tacos. They're really good. I didn't quite buy the package, but I still bought a bunch of... I have... Like, I'll be there all day Thursday. I have Evolve, WXW, and DDT. And I have the Super Show on Friday. Um, I might. I really not... wanted to go see Shine. Because I actually went to, like, a Shine show. This was a couple of years ago. And I really Wait. enjoyed it. But I haven't Wait, been to one since. Shine? I think it's Shimmer, not Shine. Shine? One of them, too. Yeah. My memory is not as good It's okay. Um, it's confusing because Shine is the WWN women's promotion, but for some reason, Shimmer is the one that runs that weekend. So I don't, I, I don't it, know. Shine's running on, like, I think they're running on the Saturday or the Friday, one of those two. Yeah. Well, Shimmer is running the Friday. I know that. So 
then it's um, the Saturday. Yeah. And Shimmer, I think Shimmer's the one I was thinking of going to, but it, it, it's just going to depend on if they bring in anybody I really like. Like, if they bring any, like, okay, Maki Ito's already confirmed for the weekend. If she, if Maki Ito's on a Shimmer show, then I'm going to Shimmer. Like, that's not even a thing. Or if, like, Miyu Yamashita, or, like, even if they bring over, like, other Joshi, then I They need go. to bring Saki Akai, but as Saki Sama. <laughs> yes, I that would be awesome. If she's not wearing the goth outfit. <laughs> Uh, that would be awesome. I miss Saki Sama. R.I.P. Saki Sama. Come back to us. Back to France. I know. She needs to come back to Japan <laughs> and then America too. True. Um, but that, okay. So, but you, did you like the match? So I feel like we never got to that part. <laughs> oh, yeah. I liked the match. I mean, I just, I was very distracted by how horny the match was and <laughs> unable to process a lot more besides that. Okay. Um, the semi-main event, Tetsuya Naito defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 2012 with the Destino. Um, this was awesome, I thought. I mean, I think they've... I mean, look, they've had three matches this year. Uh, the first one, the New Japan Cup match, I did not like at all, actually. I wasn't really into it at all. The second one, the G1 match. <laughs> the G1 match, like, I gave... You know, when it happened, I was, like, just so fucking angry that Naito got eliminated. I couldn't really appreciate it. I didn't go back and watch it until... Uh, like someone basically told me when I was listing, I was listing, I guess, all these awesome Naito matches from this year, uh, like towards the end of September. And someone was like, how do you not have the Zach G1 match on there? And I was like, I don't know. I don't remember being that good, but I was really like blind with rage at the time. And they were just like, well, you have to go back and watch it. So I went back and watched it again. And I was like, oh, actually this match is like four and a half stars and was fucking amazing. I just was too angry to, to even notice apparently. So yes, yeah, so the second one was awesome. This one, I wouldn't go that high. I only went four and a quarter, but it was it was close. Um, you know, I thought Naito did a really cool job keeping up with Zach on the mat early on, even though he also just made it clear that Zach was better. I just thought, you know, Naito doesn't get a chance to show that he can do that kind of mat wrestling very often in New Japan, and he's actually, like, better at it than you probably expect for somebody who never gets to do it. Um, you know, then it kind of... it Zach, like... At one point, Naito did, you know, his pose in the middle of the ring, and Zach grabbed him out of the pose right into a triangle, which is pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, the match, like, slowed down around the time of, like, this count-out tease. But then Naito did this, like, mini mini comeback with basically that, that spot he does in the corner all the time with the, the ends of the drop kick. Zach, like, countered it at first, so Naito had to find, like, a second way to hit it, which is, like, a pretty cool little sequence. And then Zach like rolled through the the Naito top rope Rana like right into submission, which was really cool. Um, he Zach kicked out of running desk, you know, which everybody kicks out of now. And then he tried to reverse a regular one into a pin. Naito like sat down on that to get the flash pin attempt, but I thought actually would have been the finish for a second. It was a great near fall, only got two. Zach turned that into his like his signature uh, cradle. He pinned Evil with a couple times and. And Naito managed to kick out of that again. Um, Naito went for the Destino. Zach countered to the Zach driver. Naito countered that into like this crazy like head drop. It was like sort of like a Northern Lights bomb, basically. That was really cool. And then finished him off with the Destino. Yeah, I thought this was a really, really awesome match. Four and a quarter stars. Really enjoyed it. What'd you think, Jasmine? I think like one thing, like you were saying, people forget how good Naito is when it comes to stuff on the mat. Like a lot of one thing people tend to overlook, he was trained by Animal Hamaguchi. Like this is a guy who knows how to mat wrestle. Yeah, but good point. I think people have become 
he's become more synonymous with like the more lucha brawler type of style. Like he sort of morphed morphed into Rush 2.0 at this point, and people forget like what he's actually good at on his own. Yeah, and I think this was like a perfect match to show what he can do really in his own style. Because if you look at old Naito matches, like he was wrestling like that before. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like like twenty, like you go back to like twenty eleven, and as early as that, like that Naito Nakamura uh, G one final, like he's Naito's like on the mat the entire time, basically, and it's really good. Yeah, so like the match was, I wouldn't say like I'm not gonna, I don't want to sound make it sound like I didn't like the match because I did like the match. I just don't think it was as good as their prior engagements, and maybe it's just because I wasn't as invested as in this match as I was in either of the previous ones. Because I don't know, I'm still a little peeved that we never got to see Zach versus evil mm. because of Jericho. And like my heart was so set on that match that it's like the whole, the whole match with Naito, like, what's the point? Mm. Like, I, I understand you can't fight evil, evil because he's in the main event, but like, why do you need to fight Naito? What's there for you to gain? Yeah, I mean, it almost felt like magnanimous by Zach taking this match and letting Naito have a third shot at beating him when, like you said, they had nothing to gain, which I don't know. I mean, it's weirdly magnanimous for a heel. So, I mean... That's a stupid baby face move. Like, you're not supposed to take things that don't have any positives for you. Yeah. I definitely see your point there. Um, The main event, the IWGP Intercontinental title match... Chris Jericho defending against Evil. It's successfully retaining in 2140 with the Walls of Jericho. First of all, I think we de- definitely have to talk about Evil's light spinner <laughs> that made like a pentagram. Like when I he thought started, it ruled. When he, started, I ruled. when he started spinning that thing, I was like, that is the coolest fucking thing. Like, I don't know how the fuck, I don't know where they got this. Like, how do you, do you just walk into like a prop, you're, you're like prop department and be like, okay, I want a light up spinning pentagram. It's like what a weird request, but you know, like no lie, <laughs> I have a load of friends who are like super into the rave scene, and that's like a thing. Like you can like buy them and customize mm. them. I'm telling you, evil is a secret raver. <laughs> okay, well there you go. I'm glad you're here to educate me. I learn something new every day. Um, that's where he's getting these lasers from. <laughs> Before we talk about the match itself, I want to say. I think they missed a huge opportunity here. I think Evil should have won. And first of all, I don't think it would hurt Jericho at all. He's, he's Chris Jericho. Like, there's no way it could have hurt him. I think you could still do Jericho Naito um, at the Dome. There's no reason why you can't still have Naito go for revenge and get his one back on Jericho. And you would add another big singles match to the Dome with Evil defending the Intercontinental title. Probably maybe against Zach, who, you know, needs a match as well. And we still need to do that match. So, yeah, I mean, I... I predicted Jericho in the end in, in the preview, but I laid out that scenario where like evil wins, evil defends against Zach and you still do Jericho Naito, which I think would have made a lot of sense. And I'm a little bit disappointed. They didn't, you know, they, they frankly didn't have the balls to pull the trigger on it. So that's my, that's my take on that. I assume you would agree with me. Yeah. I mean, I say this a lot, but like, even though I rip on Jericho constantly for looking like a dumbass most of this year, <laughs> He's still, like, my favorite wrestler of all time. So, like, personally, I don't think 
like he wouldn't be in a worse position if he didn't have the intercontinental belt, but everyone else is in a worse position because he has it. Yeah. So, like, I just don't see why they wouldn't have gone with evil. I think somebody in the office just doesn't like him. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, I don't think it's quite like that. I just think it's like they view him as the this generation's goto, and the you know, is, I don't, like, I don't you him, and like you can tell, like he could do more than what they're letting him do. I agree. It's like but you have I, you have a badass necromancer and you have him losing to somebody's dad <laughs> wearing skinny jeans in a ring. I I feel like in New Japan there always is like I don't know like the generations kind of echo each other and like you know Evo Evil is this echo of Goto and Goto before that I, you probably would compare him to like Manabu Nakanishi who won a bunch of tournaments. He did although Nakanishi did win the IWGP title but it was like it was almost like a, a brass ring title and it was very brief. But, um, you know, before Nakanishi, maybe you could say, like, I don't know, Strong Machine or somebody. But, like, I, it feels like they always have some, like, beefy dude with a crowdly likes who wrestles a powerhouse style and, like, really, like, you know, can can win anytime, especially in, like, tournaments in the G1, but, like, can never quite get the job done in, like, the big main event title match. Like, it feels like that's a New Japan trope. So I don't know. I think I think it's pigeonholing evil to put him in that spot, but that feels like that's his spot. Yeah, and my other big well, it's not really a complaint. Because like back to the match, I I liked the match. I didn't think it was a bad match. Like I don't think I've ever seen either Chris Jericho or Evil really have a bad match. And I'm including Evil's match with Yoshihashi from the G1, <laughs> which was not great, but it wasn't bad. But like I just, I don't know, like, what's the point? Like, just looking at it, it's just like, what's the point? Yeah, I mean, it was just to kill time for Jericho, I guess. Like, if you go for, for further with this program and have Naito challenge Jericho, it's like, why would he want this belt back? <laughs> I know, that's the big He's fucking question. He literally tried to destroy this belt, like, five different times. <laughs> why would he want it back? I mean, I, I, I believe me, I definitely agree with you there. It doesn't really make any sense that he wants this stupid belt back. Um... But yeah, the match, I really liked the match a lot. And I think, you know, it was a, Jericho to me is two for three. Because I, I I didn't like this quite as much as the Naito match. The Naito one I went four and a half on. This I only went four flat, which is still a very, very good match, obviously. Mm. I didn't like the, I did not like the Omega one at all, though. I have to, I mean. I was yeah. kind of, I feel like I was kind of in the minority, at least from what I saw of like people who, I'm not really a big Kenny Omega fan. I don't know if I've made that clear. <laughs> At any point in this show, I just I'm not a big fan of his style of wrestling in general. But I actually really like that match because mm-hmm. I feel like Jericho pushed him out of what sort of become his comfort zone. Yeah, which is I mean, like I don't, a million V triggers. Yeah, well, I mean that's definitely true. He definitely did not spam the V trigger a thousand times. I it, it was I don't know it was it was too like it was too slow and like it felt very WWE to me, which is just not what I want when I'm watching a new Japan show. Whereas like Jericho came out like that Naito match to me felt like Jericho having like a Lucha brawl, which that was like, you know, when's the last time Chris Jericho had a Lucha brawl, you know? So it's like that, that to me was like super interesting and super, you know, super like really, really fun here. It was almost like in between. And this, this to me was like the most new Japan style of Jericho's three matches like it, it felt 
much more in line with that with the house style than he's felt in the, in the last two. Yeah, and I don't think that's a negative at all. I think you know, I think he's he's adjusting to it. And I think it really worked. But yeah, this to me was like the most New Japan esque of the three matches. Um, Jericho seemed yeah, Jericho seemed to like it a lot. Yeah, that speaks a lot to Jericho's sort of ability to adapt like he's really been like a chameleon over the past almost 30 years where if you look back it's like looking at different people like there are distinct eras of Jericho yeah you can look back and see like he was completely different at this point than he was at another point another thing that happened in the match that I don't know if it was really obvious to other people but I noticed Jericho is really good at remembering when he's supposed to be the bad guy and a lot of so-called heels nowadays, like if they hear the crowd cheering for them, they'll play up to that. But if Jericho hears the crowd cheering for him, he'll do something immediately to remind them like, hey, you're supposed to be booing me. You're not <laughs> supposed to cheer for me. Yeah. And I think um, that's kind of a lost art nowadays. Yeah, I agree. Um, the STO through the table, that was pretty crazy. I mean, just for Jericho to be taking that bump at his age is, you know, yeah. he's really, he's earned his money at the very least. Um, there was a really cool counter too, where he like countered the the la- evil Larry into like a code breaker, which was a, I thought was a really really cool counter. Um, and then evil like when he finally hit the he hit the STO in the ring after countering Jericho coming up the top rope, that was probably the best in your fall to match because I was watching this unspoiled and I thought evil was gonna pin him there for a second, so that was really 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 good near fall. Um, but yeah, I mean I I thought evil looked good in defeat, so that's good. I mean he looked strong and. You know, he hung there with Jericho. I just hope they've, you know, they follow up on it. I don't really know what he's going to be doing um, at the Dome. I mean, if it's him and Sonata winning the World Tag League again, I, that that feels like a step back to me. But it, it feels like a step back, but I also feel like the World Tag League, like, it's kind of there for the guys who need a match but have no other match to compete for. Yeah. It's like, you had... Maccabi and Homa win like was like three years in a row. <laughs> Who was asking for that? Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't remember how many years it was exactly, but it was. A it was at least two. Yeah, which is too many. They didn't need to win <laughs> even once. Uh, but yeah, that's the show overall. I I like the show quite a bit, and you know, even though it was clearly like like a treading water show from a storyline standpoint, but they. Like almost every power struggle is honestly, yeah. um, although they they didn't have any of those big moments like last year. Or last year, power struggle had, you know, I think did it have Switchblade's debut and Jericho's? Yes. Yeah. So I had that's a and really. I that, believe that show also had the Tanahashi Ibushi match. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah, that which was awesome. Yeah. So it wasn't as good as last year's power struggle, which was a really really good show, but it was still a still a good show here. And to me, just to you know, it just focused around guys that I'm into more than like. You know Omega and Tanahashi, and you know, if you, yeah. I mean, I'm, that seems unfair to Tanahashi, but I love Tanahashi. He's just in a really stupid feud right now, so can't really do anything about that. I would um, say this show was fine in a bubble. Like, if you look at it on its own, it wasn't a bad show. But if you look at it as like progressing stories, it was kind of just there. Yeah, which is a fair point. I mean, it didn't really do a lot for anything. Um, I mean, you know, the end of the show, obviously Naito came out and saved Evil and set up the the match with Jericho, but I think everybody on Earth knew that Jericho and Naito were going to wrestle each other at the Dome in some way, 
whether it's for the title or non-title. So I don't think that was really like it's tough to call that a big progression when you can see that coming ten miles away. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so let's see here. Let's get before we get to the questions. Let's look at the Tokyo Dome card real quick, since we have a bunch of matches for it now. Um, first of all, the three-way for the junior tag titles: Kanemar and Desperado, or Punky 3K and Bushi and Shingo. Um, <laughs> can't believe we're doing this three-way again, but do you, I? I assume Punky 3K is going to win here. It wouldn't surprise me if Bushi and Shingo won. Um, I, I, I really. I assume Kanemar and Desperado have no chance, but I thought they had no chance like twice already, and they won't retained both times. So who the fuck even knows? Yeah, I think like kind of like well, this is kind of like the story of Bushi's life in the junior division, where it's like he seems to always be getting the short end of the stick. Like how many times have he has he lost to Kanemar and Desperado? It's been like mm-hmm. him and Hiromu had like two matches with them, I believe. And then he's having these matches with Shingo and he's still losing. So I was like, if he doesn't win at this point, why do you keep putting him in these matches? I guess because he's like, he's a safe, he's a safe set pair of hands that you can put anybody in and they'll have a decent match. But like at the same time, it's like, why do you keep putting him in these situations just to have him lose? It makes him look like a, look like a dork. Yeah, that's very true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm excited for the match and that'll be probably be pretty good. But like, how excited can you be when it's the same match we just saw, you know? Um, yeah. Speaking of matches, I'm legitimately very excited for Probably my most anticipated match of the show. Either this or the IC title. Kushida against Taiji Shimori for the junior title. This could be like, this to me is like the sleeper. Like, this could be like, could be like a five-star match, honestly. I mean, Taiji's been awesome in New Japan. He already had a five-star match in Hiromu. Kushida's Kushida. I mean, he always finds a way to come through in big spots, especially. I mean, this could be, like, really, really, really good. Yeah, and I feel like this is a situation where no matter who wins, there's, well, there's really one clear challenger I have in mind for either of them, and that's Hiromu. Because I feel like him coming back has to be a big deal, and he has to come back and win the belt. Otherwise, it just kind of feels like, It'll kind of feel like he was robbed, really. Yeah. Which he kind of was. He was robbed by injury, but to have him robbed again would be too much, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I, I totally, you know, I, I think that that match could be maybe for like New Beginning, which would be like, I mean, honestly, Hiromu versus either one, you could main event a New Beginning show with that if you wanted for his return yeah. and everything. Like that would be a big, big match. Um, Okada versus Jay White. This is, this to me is my wild card so far where. I like the build a lot. Um, you know, I've really been into the build of this match. Will they deliver like a really, really good match in ring? I don't know. Um, I didn't. I didn't think the G one match was that good. I think it was like three and three quarters, which is you know a good match, but not like a classic or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I so if they can really like deliver an awesome match here, I think that will go a lot way to, a long way towards um, shutting the J White critics up. I I think they can pull it off. I guess we'll have to see. But at the very least, it's been a fun feud, which is more than I can say for the main event. Mm-hmm. I actually really liked their G1 match, which is, I mean, obviously, because, you know, aside from being the number one evil stand, I am also known as a Jay White enthusiast. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to diss my boy. But at the same time, like I thought that match, like, they don't necessarily gel together, like, perfectly. 
But I think like part of the problem is their styles. If you really look at Jay White and Okada like side by side, their styles are very similar to each other. Yeah. And I think that they're so similar that sometimes it's just like two birds crashing into each other. Like it looks cool for a hot second and then you realize you just watched two birds crash into each other and they're (laughs) probably both dead now. (laughs) Um, But we'll see for the match. I'm, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic, let's say. That's what I'm going to say for that. I think it will be a decent match. I don't foresee it being bad by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I agree. I just like if if it can get to like a really really awesome match, that'll go a long way towards making this like a a very good show. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Then the the IC title match, Jericho Naito. Like of all this card, this is the one I feel most confident in, just because they had a really awesome match at Dominion, and you know, Jer- I'm sure they'll come up big again. I mean, what there's really no reason why they won't. Of course. Yep. And in the main event, the IWGP heavyweight title, Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. All I can say is I hope to God Tanahashi wins. Kenny, I hope you go to NXT, buddy. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> Honestly, I think I think Kenny's done like all he can do in New Japan. And at this point, I think he knows it, and that's why he's sort of like treading water. Yeah. I mean, and, the last, like, the last six months in general with the elite guys, it's just, like, I understand you, your contracts, whoop-de-doo. It just feels like the entire promotion is treading water waiting for these fuckers, and it's just, ugh. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, I I hate to say it, but I don't see this match really being any good. <laughs> like, well, you're not the one who said it there, wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't not know if I even got that not to bag on Tanahashi at all because I think he's a great wrestler. But like a lot of his matches to me just like they start out really hot, but for some reason they just sort of fizzle out past mm. a certain point. Especially when he's going up against guys that are like younger than him. Like when he's going up against guys that are like established guys, he'll it'll still be a fun match. But like, for example, his matches with Jay where it's like I, once again, I don't want to diss my boy, but they were not great. Like they were all right, but it's just they sort of fizzled out. Mm. I like the G one better than the Tokyo Dome, but yeah. Um, so I don't. I, I've been going back and forth on this for the match quality. Do you remember the matches in 2016? Because I was trying to like the the Omega the Omega Tanahashi. They only had one, I guess, right for the IC title, where Omega beat I, Tanahashi for the vacant. So. I'm gonna look this up because I'm I curious. Have, like. My brain is like I'm trying to like yeah. go back in my memory banks, and it's like <laughs> I feel like I've just wiped that from my memory. And there has to have been been some sort of good reason for that. There was so there was I definitely remember the one where it was a new beginning, um, and Tanahashi, you know Nakamura had had vacated the IC title, and Omega beat Tanahashi at New Beginning to win the t- vacant title. Uh, what the fuck? Really? No matches were found. I know they. I know they have fought each other. What are you talking about? Cage match. Okay, there we go. Yeah, but it's just the one. So Kenny Omega beat Hiroshi Tanahashi in twenty nine ten on February fourteenth, twenty sixteen. The new beginning in Niigata. I really have no memory of that match at all. Yeah, like, it's like I, I know it happened. Like, <laughs> said I knew what you were talking about, but at the same time, it's like I know it's a thing that happened. But could I tell you what it was like? No. I can tell you, according to Cage Mats, Dave Meltzer gave it four and three quarters. So 
I guess I shouldn't be surprised when it happened. That was sort of the beginning of him giving pretty much any match Kenny was in a baseline of four stars. So. <laughs> I, I would say a baseline of like four and a half. Honestly. Yeah. Like, like the, the Meltzer Kenny scale at this point is like four and a half is okay. For anything below four and a half is garbage. <laughs> like four and a quarter is garbage. Anything good is four and three quarters. Five stars is like great. And then anything above five is like awesome. But yeah. Um, so I don't remember this match at all. Maybe it'd be interesting to go back and watch. On the other hand, it's 29 minutes long, so I don't know if I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, I, so what happened is they were supposed to have another one. It was supposed to, I think it was supposed to be a ladder match, and Tanashi got injured and they had to yank him. So it ended up being Kenny and Elgin in that ladder match instead, um, mm. which, again, I barely remember. But With reason. <laughs> I know some people really hate that match, and I just – I was like, every time it comes up, I, I try to think about it. I'm like, did I hate it? I don't remember if I hated it or not. Um, but yeah, I was very down in Japan 2016 in general. It was not a year I, for them I was into, really. So maybe I just wasn't paying great attention. Um, but yes, so Kenny and Tanahashi, the first meeting since then. I I mean, look, Kenny has had some matches this year that I really, really liked. I mean, like, Kenny's not a bad wrestler at, yeah. like, at all, but there are some people where it's like he'll have fantastic matches with, and there's other people where it's just like, okay. Yeah. No, I definitely hear you. I mean, like, I was going to say, um, in the G1, he had a really awesome match with Naito. You know, he had a really awesome match with Ishii, but then he had a really disappointing match with Ishii when he defended the title against him. And, you know, I, I did like the Okada match, even though I know some people did not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he also had, like, some of those other G1 matches were so fucking terrible, and especially, like, some of the ones I saw get hyped, like the Zack match, uh, the Sonata match, the Juice match. Just not good. And Look, you know, I think our, Kenny's had like great matches. Like over, the, I would say he was better last year than he was this year, which is yeah, weird. I would agree, probably. I have to think, really think about it, but probably that's probably true. But yeah, I mean, like, so I don't know what to make of this, is what I'm saying. Like, I know I really hate the build. That, that I can tell you right away that I think the build is really stupid. I hate all that work shoot crap. I don't know what to make of the actual match. It just we don't we don't have a lot of examples of these two together mm. to see what kind of chemistry they have. Um, I to a degree I want to say I have faith in Tanahashi to pull something out in a Tokyo Dome main event. To a same degree I want to say like Kenny Omega has just been like I haven't seen him do anything I've liked since I guess the Ishii G one match. So he's on quite the negative run with me right now. Um, but yeah, I mean like you know even even the Ibushi G one match I found to be a pretty massive disappointment. Um, I thought his I honestly if I had to think back to the last Kenny Omega match I watched and thought this was a good match it will have been and this was like quite some time ago if you really think about it it was when he defended the US title against Trent Barrett <laughs> that is a long time that was a long time ago that was at least mm-hmm. a year ago now yeah and that was like the um, last match where I really watched it and thought it was good so something's just telling me that it's not it's not going to be bad, but it's not going to be one to write home about either. Well, I guess we'll say it's going to be an interesting one. I'm very, I'm, I, I can't say I'm looking forward to it because I'm not, but I'm, I'm like intellectually curious, let's say, about the quality. So we'll see how it turns out. But do you have any predictions? Is Kenny going to leave? Is he going to stay? Part of me hopes he does leave, mostly just because I want to see him 
it's not I don't like wish him bad or anything like that. I want him to do well, but things I want him to do well elsewhere because I feel like he's got a problem where he'll stay at a promotion for so long that it's like he 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 sees no way forward. People booking him see no way forward and it's just he ends up stuck in a rut. And I feel like he's been stuck in a rut for the past year. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's time for him to go somewhere else. I told, I mean, I totally agree that it feels like he's he's done what he can in this promotion. It probably is time to move on. I don't think he will, though. <laughs> it's the thing. I don't. I just like my predictions. I think he's just going to stay, unfortunately. But um, I hope he goes. I mean, that's where I'm at with him right now. The thing but, is, I don't necessarily hope he like goes to WWE. I think it's time for him to like maybe go back out on the independent scene and do something like that. Yeah. But I actually genuinely thought he was, he had a much better case of being the greatest wrestler out back when he was still doing independent matches against like people like Mia Yim, like two or three years ago. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, if he went to, to ring of honor, even like he could like, single-handedly bring that promotion to a greater relevance if he stayed the entire year there. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. I mean, I think they should do something, you know, and give it a, give it a different, you know, get like just do something different and, you know, let's shake things up. I think new Japan needs a little shake up too anyway. So, you know, I think it wouldn't help all around, but who knows? All right. So let's get into some questions here. We did get a few questions. Um, first of all, at LU Tang underscore secret. Do you think the 2018 Bullet Club breakup was ever a planned storyline by Gato? Um, I assume, I, I mean, clearly it was a storyline, like as in, that was going to end with the elite just dropping out a boat. No, I don't think that was planned. I think that's just kind of how it ended up happening. And I saw people on Twitter basically say, like the elite sandbagged the angle, you know, and if they, if they were a little more interested in really, like, like, there's no good reason why it couldn't have ended in a five-on-five elimination tag at King of Pro Wrestling or Power Striker or something. Like, there's yeah. no... Like, there should have been a, ma- a match for the name rights. Like, if you're really booking this out and doing it correctly. So I, I don't know who I blame for this. I, I mean, Gato probably deserves some blame, but I think the elite guys deserve just as much blame. I think they sandbagged the angle. And I think, like, this whole angle was kind of stupid. Because it's like... I feel like the elite should have left the bullet club a long time ago. They shouldn't have had, it shouldn't have had to come to a civil war. Like they should have just left Mm. because they were essentially their own unit to begin with. And it's like, if you have a group, but that group has its own separate sides, then you're not really a group. So why are you still together? It's like a bad marriage. It is kind of like a bad marriage, which actually transitions great into the next question. Uh, Kato Potato asks, says, please give reactions. And it's a picture of a tweet that says, Ibushi is in a loveless marriage. Kenneth said he could make it work again, but he's back to siphoning their savings in the startup projects with silly names with his old co-workers that do lean. The young um, bucks for sure do lean. <laughs> um, what do you th- what's your reaction? My reaction is that the co-workers <laughs> who do lean are for sure the young bucks. I don't know if both of them would do lean. I think like Matt would still do lean. And Nick used to do lean, but he got off of it, and now he like smokes a lot of weed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, 
I, I, yeah, that's pretty much it, right? I mean, poor Coda is practically giving these eyes and his all of his post show promos that are like, please save me. <laughs> like, that's and he's he, like, please <laughs> let me out. <laughs> I want to go do backflips and samurai gear again. Like, get me the fuck away from this man. Um, okay. At Tokugawa Heavy. Oh, okay. This kind of, there's a little involved. Let's say if you had the book but had to keep the current champions, what would your Wrestle Kingdom card look like? I'm not a big fan on Wrestle Kingdom having rematches for titles, but I'd give Evil his rematch because I feel like he's got more of a bone to pick and more more reason to want the belt than Naito does. That's like my the one thing that immediately leapt out into my brain. Oh, that, and I'd also have the junior tag match be just a straight up match between Desperado and Kanemaru and Shingo and Bushi. Like, I wouldn't have Rapongi 3K in it at all because I just feel like they're not needed at, like, at a main event level right now. Other than that, I can't really think of anything else. What you just said, the I would definitely agree with you with the junior tag title match. Um, I would definitely go with the Kanemaru and Desperado against um, the Shingo and Bushi. For heavyweight title, I would do Omega Naito. And I have Naito win. It's a very easy answer for me. I mean, I love Omega Naito matches. I think they've all been great. And obviously, I want Naito to win the title. So, easy. Um, yeah. IC title, I would do Jericho versus Minoru Suzuki. It's like a, a match. I just I have no idea what that match would be. And I would really like to see it. So, I would do Jericho and Minoru Suzuki. I think that would be incredible. Um, I mean, I don't know what it would be. I mean, it could be terrible. But I think... It would just be so interesting to say that I would love to see that match. Um, junior title, I keep exactly the same, honestly. I think Kushida Ishimori is an awesome match, first-time match. Or, or actually, I guess they had a match during the Super J Cup, but first time in a while. Yeah, I think it could be really good. Um, never title. I guess I guess Goto Ibushi go might be the plan anyway, but that, that could be a good, really good match. So I might go with that. And then I don't know if the heavyweight the heavyweight tag titles, I guess, maybe Evil and Sonata. And then the six man tag titles. I I mean who gives a shit about those belts, honestly. So uh there you go. Let's see. Next question here. Okay, uh at KODPT. Who should take the never from Goto and how soon? Any thoughts on this? Well, I think it should have never left Tai Chi. That's my first thing. Back to Tai Chi. I would like I would prefer it to go back to Tai Chi, but at the same time, I don't want them to ever have a match again, at least <laughs> or at least for like a good six months. Uh, I, I'm going back to Tai Chi, so that's my pick. Uh, at Anwar Starwind, will Show versus Shingo main event a Best of Super Junior show next year, or will Shingo be heavyweight before that? I think they will get one Best of Super Junior out of Shingo at before they ever turn him heavyweight at least. Yeah. So so I, I think th- that will I think that will be a main event probably and that'll be an incredible main event honestly. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I think well it's sort of I don't want to say it's clear but it does seem like Shango's really only a junior as a placeholder for Hiromi even though he is like a deceptively small guy like I don't think people realize he's actually like really short, he's just wide. Yeah. But I think 
they'll at least have him do one best of the super juniors before he goes heavyweight. Because I feel like yeah. that's like a tradition. If a guy comes in as a junior heavyweight, he's got to have at least one best of super juniors before he goes heavyweight. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it would be, I mean, honestly, I mean, that the best of super junior was pretty awesome this year. Can you, like, next year you add Shingo to that? That's going to be, like, incredible. Yeah, there's so. a lot of potential great matches in there. Yeah. So I, I hope they, I mean, they, you know, not that Shingo won't be great as a heavyweight too, but like, it's so, you don't have to rush everything. I mean, you can let it breathe a little bit, you know? Yeah. And Shingo's kind of used to working a junior heavyweight style because really everyone, well, just about everyone in Dragon Gate works a predominantly junior style. Yeah. They're a very lucha based promotion. Yeah. So. There you go. We're in agreement. Let let Shingo stay junior through BOSJ. I think he probably will. But all right. So that's all the questions we have. Thank you. As always, we send them in. Um, if you want to send in questions, we always take them on our Twitter account, which is at Wrestle Omakase. Not wrestling. The wrestling would not fit. Uh, Jasmine, thank you for coming on. I had a great time. And, you know, definitely have you back on in the future. Do you want to plug anything? I know you mentioned your blog before that you've updated once. And also your obviously your Twitter account. Yes, yeah, thank you for having me. You know, you can everybody can follow me on Twitter at Big Sad Boy. That's boy with two eyes instead of Y. Uh, I do also have a wrestling with history blog. It's wrestle underscore history on Twitter. I'll get around to updating it again at some point. I promise I will. But I do have an entire blog post about basically why the not so fabulous moolah was a piece of shit and i'll say some, some of my finer work there so you know you should check that out yeah i did read that post it was really good so um definitely check that out if you have time uh folks thank you as always for listening i don't know what next ep- week's episode is going to be usually before i plug it but i really i don't have anything planned yet for next week so of course follow us on twitter and i will let you know as soon as i do have a plan i have a couple like ideas but i haven't finalize anything and after next week that we'll be getting into our year in review series which is always an exciting time here in omakase so stay tuned for that and award ballots have gone out so of course all the omakase guests have their award ballots for uh 2018 so that's always exciting i've gotten like four of them back already which is like crazy like i thought i was sending them out way too early and like four people just like nah i've already seen all the wrestling i'm gonna see this year apparently here you go I was going to wait at least until like the beginning of December before I did anything. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame you. That's what I'm probably going to do too, but I just wanted to like give, get them out really early just to get them out. I didn't actually think people were going to do them already, but well, it's cool. I know two people said two people picked crown jewel for worst show before it happened, which I thought was really funny. And they were right. They were apparently right from what I've heard. All right. Thank you again for coming on Jasmine. Thanks for having me. And folks, we will see you next week. Thank you as always for listening. Goodbye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.